You are listening to the sermon podcast of Connection Church, a gospel-centered community on a mission to make much of Jesus in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. For more information, visit SiouxFallsConnection.com. Thank you for listening. You know, I love teaching God's Word. Uh, I use that word carefully, teaching. I, I feel much more like a teacher than a preacher. Uh, and I will tell you that uh, I especially love teaching God's Word to people that I know and love. And so being here, you might think, well, so do you not like it as much as you do back in Vermilion? And I would say, no, that's not true because I know and love you guys. Uh, there's so many of you here that used to be in uh, uh, Grace Baptist in Vermilion, and others that I've gotten to know over the years. Uh, I've just been so blessed to see what God is, uh, has done here and is doing, and, and I know the future is bright. <clears throat> that does not mean there won't be difficult circumstances. We all know that. But it's bright because God is faithful. God is good. And so this morning, what I want to say to each and every one of you, and I want you to just turn the, the reception up on your ears and on your heart right now to hear this word. You need God. You need Him. I thought about starting by saying you need food because you might be able to relate to that a little bit better. And there's a lot of similarity. You need food. And there's an issue for all of us that live here. And that's this. We have an understanding of needing food, but not at the most profound level. Most of us sitting here, standing here this morning, have never been in a place where we haven't eaten in days and we're not sure if we're going to find food in time before we lose our lives. There are people all over the world that are in that situation on a regular basis. We don't know that. And so what that causes us to do is that our need for food becomes more like, which restaurant am I going to eat at today? Because I, I need food. And you see, the same thing is true with our need for God. Our need for God is even more profound than our need for food. Both of them result in the same thing. You need food to live. You need God to live. In fact, you need God to live before you need food to live. He's the one who created you to need food, but mostly He created you to need Him. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how Jesus came to this world to seek and to save those who wandered away from God and are lost. And every one of us, whether overtly or covertly, have wandered. In fact, my guess is that most of us this morning, the Holy Spirit is going to identify something to you in your heart, in your mind today, some way that you are currently wandering from God and are apart from Him. 
some way that you are living your life without Him being in control, without Him being first. And that's what these parables that we're going to look at today are all about. Two of them were read earlier today during the worship time, the, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. It's the first two of a triad of parables that Jesus told right in succession. And the purpose of that was to answer the question why it was that he was spending time with sinners. He was being criticized for spending time with people who were not trying to be righteous. And the, the Jewish leaders at the time, the religious people at the time, thought that if the Messiah was going to come, he would want to hang out with the religious people, the righteous people. But that's not what he did. He hung out with those he came to seek and save. And so he told the first two parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And in those two parables, we learn some very simple truths. First of all, that, that God diligently seeks after what is his and has been lost. He diligently seeks. He never stops until it's found. And the second thing we learn is that when what has lost is found, he rejoices and he calls everybody who knows him and loves him to rejoice with him. But there's a fundamental difference between those first two parables and the one we're going to look at today, the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son as it's commonly known. You see, in the prodigal son parable... There's a difference in that the, the thing that is lost in some ways has to find its own way back. The person who lost the son didn't go looking after him until he found him where he was far away and then return him. No, the son had to find his own way back and return him. Now, we know God well enough to know that God is involved in that without being physically present. But there's a fundamental difference, and that's the fundamental difference between human beings and every other creation of God. We were created to be with Him. We were created to be in loving relationship with Him. We were created to be near Him, to live with Him. Like no other thing that God created. And so turn with me, with, if you will, to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be picking it up in verse 11. I'll read down through the end of the chapter and listen to this story that Jesus tells that helps us to understand that as we relate to God, as we need Him, and as we have wandered off away from Him, how it is, why we wander away from Him, but then also how it is that we get back to Him, and then just the joy of the celebration when we do. Luke 15, beginning in verse 11. And He said, "'There was a man who had two sons.'" And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. 
And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and, he, and, uh, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Father, This is your word. This parable, Jesus, you taught us that we might know some very significant things about you and about ourselves and about our relationship with you. Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth, and that's what I ask for now. Lord, I pray that these words of yours would sink in deep and have the full effect that you desire for them to have in each and every one of us. The unique individual message that each of us needs to hear from you today. Lord, bring to light all the ways that we are wandering and are far from you. And Lord, bring us back, we pray in Jesus' name. Well, first, I want to talk about the journey away from God. And I want us to see that unlike the sheep and the coin, there's a significant difference here. And that's that the thing that was lost was lost by a willful decision. You know, you you have a coin drop out of your pocket and it rolls under something and you lose it and lose track of it. That coin has not wandered away on its own. 
by its own choice and willfully to get away from you. And a sheep that wanders, if, if you know much about sheep, you know that they don't wander because they're trying to get away from their shepherd. They wander because they're just stupid and they, they go wherever the food and the water is and they just wander and the next thing they know, they don't know where they are. But human beings, when we wander from God, we wander by a willful choice. We choose to live apart from Him. And that choice, I believe, is based on prideful presumption. Prideful presumption. And what, was, what is that presumption? Well, first of all, it's presuming that the life that God gives us is ours. Now here, I'm making an interpretation, okay? Uh, in the parable, what's at hand, what's at issue is that there's a father with two sons, and one of the sons comes to him and says, give me the inheritance that is mine, I want it now. And I believe that the father, as he usually does in Jesus' parables, the owner, the father, represents God, the son represents us, and the inheritance represents the life that God has given us and has promised us eternally in Jesus Christ. And so, the presumption here, the son presumed that that inheritance was his to do with what he wanted. That it's as if he owned it himself. And we presume, when we wander from God, we presume that the life that we have is ours to do with what we want. And we're mistaken. Because the life, we don't own it, it's just on loan to us from God. And in fact, the farther we get away from God, the farther we get from the source of life for ourselves. The second part of that presumption is that we can have that life and live it for ourselves and enjoy it and, and, and prosper apart from God. So it's like this. Everything started in the Father's house. The son decided that he didn't want to be in the father's house anymore. It says that he, uh, he asked for what uh, would be his inheritance. He wanted it now before his father passed away. He wanted it now so he could enjoy it while he was a young person. And then he gathered it all together, and it says that he went away to a far country. What does that far country represent? Well, it represents that it's away from the father. And it's a country, too, which in, uh, implies that there's some kind of rule and leadership there that has nothing to do with the Father. And so that's what he was doing. That's what Jesus is implying, is that anytime we wander from God, we're wandering because we want to live in a realm where God is not in control. We want to be in control. And so he went away to a far country. 
And I'm going to draw a line. This is the son leaving. And why did he leave? Because of prideful. Presumption. I want to think about the turning point because there was a turning point. In fact, for most of my years of studying God's Word, this story has always been important to me. Lately, it's been, uh, I just a few months ago, I just decided I was going to start reading this story because of some things in my own life, and I was going to meditate on it every day, and, and I just wanted to understand it the best I possibly could. And all through the years, and you know, I've been teaching and preaching for uh, about 35 years now, all through the years, I would have told you that the turning point was when it says that, and he came to himself, or in other translations, he came to his senses. But this time, as I studied and meditated on it for day after day, I realized there's actually, it's a two-part transition, two-part turnaround. The turning point comes in two parts. And the first is in verse 14. This is what I'd missed before. And he began to be in need. And he began to be in need. And I want to suggest to you that he didn't begin to be in need. He just began to recognize it. He had always been in need the whole time he was growing up in his father's house. It's just that the father always provided all of his needs. And so he never felt the need. He was in need, but he didn't feel it. Until he went away to the far country, and for a while he still had what he had gotten from the father, but when it ran out... It says he began to be in need. And I would say he began to recognize his need. Do you remember how we started this morning? You need God. You don't just need him when everything has run out. You need him even when you have everything you need. Just because he has provided it for you and you are not feeling the need doesn't mean that you don't have the need. I believe this is the very reason why Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because when you have a lot, and by the way, if you want to know who the rich man is that Jesus was talking about, it's me and it's you. I don't know all of you or your situation, but I think I could pretty safely say that you could take the situation of any one of us and compare it to the overwhelming majority of the rest of the world and everybody would conclude we are rich. There's so little that we really have to strive in order to have. We strive to have a better quality life, not just to exist. And so the rich person that Jesus said it's hard for him to enter the kingdom of heaven, why is that? Because he doesn't recognize his need. 
And he presumes that he can go on living and choose what he wants and do what he wants because he is making life for himself. And it's a lie. Not a single one of us can make life for ourselves. Why did he become in need? Because what he had gotten from the Father, he used it all up. He was far away from the Father. He had no, no one else to turn to but other people, and so he did that. He turned to other people. Still within the far country, he looked for help from other people. And what did he get? He got what you get when you depend on human provision. Everybody was suffering. There was a famine in the land. Nobody was feeling very generous. So the best he could come up with was somebody who hired him to feed pigs and paid him so little he didn't have enough to buy food for himself and was thinking, man, I think I might eat some of what I'm giving the pigs. It wasn't enough. It wasn't satisfying because he was far away from the source. And that's when it says, in verse 17, he came to himself. And really what it means there is uh, not that he came to realize uh, who he was and what he needed to do and how he could solve this problem. He came to a realization of who he really is. And what he realized is that he was not self-sufficient. He was not self-sufficient. He couldn't take care of himself. He couldn't make life for himself. He could have no abundant life on his own. But then he remembered his father and how life had been when he was with his father. And he realized that, that you know, he came to the conclusion, well, I've, I've really... Uh, given away my right to be called my father's son, but he takes really good care of his workers, way better than what I'm getting here. So I, this is what I need to do. I just need to get up and go back to my father because he's good. And he will treat me well. And so he rehearsed the speech that he would say to his father, he would say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he made his way back to the father. Well, here's where the story gets really good, especially if by now the Holy Spirit is, is reminding you or bringing to light ways that you've wandered from the father. What you've learned at this point is that what you need to do is admit your need, admit your insufficiency to, to make abundant life for yourself, and you just need to go back to the Father, and then that's where the story gets really good, because what happened? Well, he's making his way back to the Father, and somewhere along here, the Father, who must have been looking for him, saw him at a great distance and ran out to meet him. He didn't even make it all the way back to the father's house. The father ran out to meet him, and he began his speech. 
He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he could get the next word out, his father started shouting and said, Bring a robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his hand. Kill the fattened calf and let's celebrate because this son of mine who was lost has been found. He was dead and he is alive again. And did you notice he stopped him before he could even get out of his mouth, treat me as one of your hired servants. So what we learn from that is that when we do wander from God and when we do sin away our right to be called a child of God because we've denied him, we've said, no, I can make life for myself, I should make life for myself because life is my own, and you come to the realization that you aren't self-sufficient, you can't make life for yourself, and you realize, I need to get back to the Father, you're going to feel like he did and say, well, I can't expect him to treat me like his child, but maybe I can get the scraps that fall from his table. But he's going to have none of that. Because, you see, Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. And there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and returns to the Father than over a multitude of others who think they're good enough that they don't need the Father. It's what God desires more than anything. It's what we were created for in the first place. We were created to be with God. We were created to need Him. Never at any point since the first man and the first woman were created, there has never been a point where a human being could live without God. Never. People try to do it all the time, but it's never been possible. We were created to need him. He breathed the breath of life into Adam. He uh, knits us together in our mother's wombs, and he gives us life. And every breath and, that we take, every moment that we are alive, it's because God is sustaining us and giving us life. And he wants to do that for all eternity but if we wander from him and stay away from him, then that way that seems right to a man, Solomon tells us, actually ends in death. He headed back to the Father with a repentant contrite heart. Two important words, repentant and contrite. I don't know about you, but repentance, I still, even though I know the truth, I still, when I hear repentance, I think of being sorry. And so much of my repentance over the years has just been me trying to work up enough sorry emotion that it's enough. And that's hard for me because I'm a stoic. I have a vivid memory when I was a kid of my older sister 
wailing and beating on me and screaming at the top of her voice, you never get upset about anything. She was upset. And I laughed. Because I thought it was funny. It didn't upset me. And so I just, I don't have the range of emotion that most people have. And I've even asked God to help me, and he, I think he has. And so repentance for me has often, too often been just me trying to work up the right emotion and feel sorry enough that I feel like now things are more even. But you can't do that. Things never will be even by anything we do. And the good news is, we don't have to do anything because Jesus has done it all for us. Jesus did two things for us that are vitally important. The first is that he became a human being like we are, was tempted in every way just as we are, but never sinned. He completely fulfilled the law of God for us. So that when he went to the cross as our substitute, he was the unspotted lamb. He was the one who had no sin in himself. That uniquely qualified him to be able to be a substitute for me and for you. And that's what he did. He offered himself in love for us. He offered himself up. Looking at the joy set before him, he offered himself up. And what was that joy? That joy, I believe, was seeking and saving what has been lost and being reunited and God's family being restored to what he originally intended it to be. But he suffered and died for me and for you. He took the wrath of God upon himself in our place so that we can be made right with God. Because there wasn't anything we could do ourselves to get there. And so repentance is not working up your sorrow to a point where it's impressive enough. Repentance literally just means to turn around. And so as this son had wandered away from God, he turned, but he turned toward man first and found that that was still insufficient. So he came to himself and says, I need to return to my father. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is just returning to God. In fact, many places in the scripture where it talks about repentance, it, talks, it says it in terms of repentance toward God. It's turning around and moving back toward God. And the other word that was important there is contrite. He reached that place of humility where he reversed the prideful presumption that caused him to walk away and he dealt with reality and said, I need my father. And that's good because he's good. Everything in our human nature, sinful human nature, causes us to want to be sufficient without God. And it will cause you to devise all kinds of ideas for how you can make life better for yourself than God can. And every one of those ways leads to death, not life. 
before we finish this morning, we've talked about the reception that happened. There was one who didn't rejoice, and I want to touch on him, the other son, the older brother. And I want you to see that he had some of the same prideful presumption as his younger brother. He didn't leave. He stayed with his father, but all the time that he did, apparently he was working for the father thinking that he was earning for himself what his father would then pass on to him. And the reason he was so upset was he thought that his younger brother, he had given up his right to earn it. He had just taken it without earning it and had done nothing but squander it ever since then. So why should he get a celebration when the, the older son never did? And what I want to point out, uh, without going into all the depths of that, is that he made the same wrong presumption that, that what his father had was his, he just had to work for it. And what we have from God is ours because God has freely given it in love for us. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. It's just freely given. And it's what is the foundation of the relationship that He created us to have for Him. When Adam and Eve first became alive, what was the first thing they saw? Anywhere they looked, what they saw was God's loving provision. Because before He created them, He created a world that was made just for them, to provide everything for them, including something useful to do. And so that was the beginning of the basis of the relationship that God desired for Himself with human beings, is that they would see first before they responded, they would see His love for them. And then the natural response should have been that they would love Him in return. And that's what we return to. We returned to the good news that God loves me. He loves you. He's provide, promised to provide abundant life one of my favorite verses in all the scripture, Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what God desires for us. And the path of life that he makes known to us is the path that leads us ever closer to him where we will find fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this parable. Thank you for demonstrating to us how we wander away and why we wander away and how it is that we can repent, turn around and head back and then the promise of how we will be received if, when we do. 
Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I trust and I know that you've been working in the hearts of everyone listening this morning here in the building and those listening online, watching online. Lord, I pray that you would bring to light, even right in this moment, anything and everything in each one of us that is evidence of us wandering and trying to live apart from you. And Lord, please, according to your mercy, lead us to that place where we recognize that we are in need of you. Help us to come to our senses and recognize that the only place where we will find what our soul desires from the very depths, the only place that we will find that kind of abundant life, that, that fulfillment, that satisfaction, that joy and that pleasure that we're longing for, the only place we'll find it and the, the place where we'll find it in infinite measure is by your side. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. And Father, you have, you have laid on the Lord Jesus the iniquity of us all. So we can return to you. Lord, thank you. Show us, each of us, concrete steps we can take to return to you. So show us just how to do it. Not just that we need to, but just show us just how to do it. Each one of us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.